Hello and welcome to episode 28 of series 2 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. If this is the first time you've listened to the Engaging Internal Comms podcast, welcome to the show. We have a back catalogue of nearly 60 episodes available on our website, which is engagingic.com, but you can also find those through whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on today. I thoroughly recommend you go back and have a listen to previous episodes if you've not done so before. Um, we are now getting towards the end of our second series of the podcast. Don't worry, we're going to be back for the third. We're just putting together together our schedule for the, uh, the the third series, which will probably be starting around the end of the year, beginning of next year. Um, but between now and then, we've still got some fantastic interviews coming your way in the next show, which is episode 29 of series two. Uh, and that's going out on the 9th of November. I have an amazing interview with Mark Dollins and John Stemmel. Um, Mark and John have both written a new book, which is called Engaging Employees Through Strategic Communication communication and I had a fantastic conversation with both of them about particularly around the topic of communicating change both of them have significant experience in internal communications you'd imagine writing a book like that um, but also some significant experience of helping organizations navigate through change and the role of communication in that so we're going to be looking at communicating change as a specific topic for that interview as I say it's coming up on the 9th of November um, and then going beyond that a couple of interviews that I've not yet recorded and I'm hoping uh, to get uh, recorded very shortly. Um, one of those is with a, someone called Richard Nugent, who is a good friend of mine and also an excellent speaker and also a, uh, a works with organisations at a very senior level within with their ma management teams. Uh, and he's going to be telling us all about the, in, the role of hope in communications, which I think is particularly significant at the moment. And he's going to be talk, telling us all about the role of leaders in building hope within the organisation. And then uh, we are hoping for a kind of series finale with an interview with Jen Sproul, who is the head of the Internal Institute of Internal Comms in the UK. Um, and, uh, uh, well, and, the, and the Institute of Internal Comms spreads lot further than the UK. Uh, but Jen's role is is, is leading the, the organisation. And we had Jen at the end of the, uh, the, the last series, or the first series of, of in, engaging internal comms. Um, we're going to get Jen back for the wrap-up uh, episode for this series as well uh, and we're going to be looking getting her to look back over the previous year over 2021 in the same way that she helped us look back over 2020 um, but also looking forward into 2022 as we hopefully continue to emerge from the uh, the trauma of the pandemic but also some of the picking up on some of the key lessons that we've picked up from that so that's what we've got coming up in future episodes hopefully some uh, something there of interest for all of you um just before i move on to today's guest i just wanted to just talk about an into uh, uh, an event that we're running between now and the next episode which uh, may be may be of interest to to you uh hopefully it is on the 3rd of november that's uh and that's at three o'clock uk time i keep forgetting must remember to keep saying that so it's uk time i know we've got uh, listeners uh, all over the globe so three o'clock uk time we're running a free webinar um and that is all about helping your employees to understand your organization's big picture 
nature. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but basically, very briefly, the premise is that our leaders often uh, find it difficult to explain our organization's mission, vision, values, etc., to employees. And that's often because they're f- too close to the, uh, the the story themselves. And also, it's very clear to them, but they assume it's clear to everyone else. Um, and uh, what we know from our experience, and I'm sure you do as well, when we've got people on the same page with that overall big picture that our leaders have in their heads, it can have a massive boost on employee engagement and on productivity and all sorts of other metrics. So in this uh, webinar that we're going to be running on the 3rd of November, I'm going to be sharing with you some practical uh, tools and techniques that you can use and your leaders can use in order to get your employees on the same page and sharing that big picture with them. So that's at three o'clock on the UK time on the 3rd of November. 2021 just in case you're listening to this in the future um, and to find that event you need to go to our website which is thebigpicturepeople.co.uk go to our events bar at the top of the page and you'll find it's the first event listed and you can sign up there you can get some more information you can sign up there it's a free zoom webinar dead easy to join and uh, we'd love to have you come along so anyway i think i've spoken for far too long now and i'm going to let you listen to today's fantastic guest An area we've covered a couple of times in this series of the podcast has been using audio as an internal communications channel. And it's something I wanted to come back to because I still think that it is a channel that isn't utilised as much as it could be, but offers a huge amount of potential to internal communicators. And it's particularly relevant, I think, at the moment when we're looking at coming from out of the pandemic of 2021 and 2020, when we think about the the importance of asynchronous, asynchronous communication where we are communicating with people at different times and in different places and sometimes in different time zones as well. And I think audio certainly has a role to play in that. So that's an area that I wanted to explore in more detail. And I also wanted to look at what are some of the most effective tools and formats that we can use to create on-demand and asynchronous communications as well and and how audio fits into that space. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this this particular episode. Uh, We'll put some links in the show notes back to some of the previous episodes that we've already covered audio in so you can make some connections with with those as well but this is uh, serves as a standalone episode on its own because i think it covers the both the benefits uh, of audio it also talks about some of the limitations of audio but it also talks about very pra- pragmatically how you can get started to use audio in a uh, in an internal comms context and it's not as difficult as you may think and it's certainly not as difficult as using video. So hopefully today's episode will provide you with some inspiration to get started with audio or at least to put it into your thinking when you're putting together your communication strategy. My interviewee today is Brian Landau, who's a co-founder and CEO of Venly, which is an audio platform that enables businesses to seamlessly and privately share their audio content to Slack, SharePoint, Notion, Social Chorus, and also via blogs, email, and PDFs, and all with enterprise analytics and security in mind. Prior to Venly, Brian was EVP at Cadence 13, which was a top podcasting network where he worked on hit shows such as Pod Save America and among any many others as well. Brian has recently launched a podcast called The Drip, where he talks to communication specialists about the best practices that they see in their space. And Brian is married and lives in New York with two children. Hello, Brian. How are you? It's amazing how much better my bio sounds when 
a dignified <laughs> gentleman with a British accent is reading it. <laughs> uh, well, it's all it's all it's all uh, it's all relative. Believe you me. Uh, I, I, some, some other people in the UK probably see me. I, I cause Northern accent that I've got. So yeah, <laughs> but no, I appreciate that, Brian. That's really nice of you to say that. Yeah, uh, I mean, look to my Yankee ears, it all sort of sounds the same. So oh, wonderful. Well, that that's that's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. Look, Brian, I'm really interested to talk to you today. And you, you know, we we kind of reached out because we've got a kind of common interest. I've got I've got this podcast and you've obviously got your podcast just tell us a little bit about that before we dive into the kind of content tell me a little bit more about the drip the podcast what what what, what, you know what what who you've been speaking to just so our listeners because you've probably got a shared audience who might be interested in catching up on a few of your episodes give us a bit of a, a plug for your podcast yeah, well, that, that's really gracious of you. And I, I should say that I reached out to you because I'm a fan of your podcast. Oh, so that's very gracious of you to say okay. that. Okay. <laughs> so, so as you read in, in, in the bio just a moment ago, I've been in podcasting uh, really throughout my career. And when pod, before podcasting was actually cool, now people return your phone calls. A couple of years ago, they were like, what is that thing? Where do I find a podcast? <laughs> yeah. And from where I sat on, on the business side, working really on partnerships and, and monetization and strategy for podcasts. Uh, there was a lot of business leadership content, a lot of, if we're being candid, ivory tower pontification about the future of the industry. And what I didn't see enough of and what I was finding uh, a craving for was content from practitioners, people who have titles like director and VP, people who are actually doing the work, who are building the strategies, yes, but then are also executing on them as well. Yeah, And, and that's really where the show focuses. So it's much more of a boots on the ground approach to marketing and communications. Yeah. Uh, and I have also interviewed people who sit in HR seats, for example, or sales enablement seats. But the through line for the content is always like, how are you communicating? Right? Yeah. What is working? What is not working? Are there best practices? Are there lessons learned? And it's been especially interesting to have launched that podcast uh, during COVID because a lot of these strategies are being defined in real time. Yeah. Right? We're rethinking all of this stuff. So that's what the show is about. And it's been a mix of people who work at places like Hilton and American Express and SAP, and then also people who work at high growth technology startups. And it's been interesting to have those episodes live next to one another. There's a lot of shared similarities. Yeah. Um, but then also, of course, when you're working at a venture funded, you know, pre-IPO startup, it's a little bit different than if you're working at you know, Wells Fargo. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's been really uh, personally gratifying, but I think also um, the feedback that I've received from listeners has been, I like having these two distinct points of view live right next to each other yeah. um, on the same topic area. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds a very similar story to, 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 to our podcast as well. We started in lockdown and, and it's been amazing in terms of uh, both the differences and also the similarities that, 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 that our, our guests bring as well. So, you know, I really kind of resonates. So you mentioned there though, let's, let's, let's use that as a springboard into the conversation. So you mentioned there around, you know, kind of COVID and, and one of the areas I wanted to talk to you about was this idea of, um, and I I guess first of all, we might want to just kind of define it. This this difference between synchronous and asynchronous communication, uh, and why that why there is a difference, and how each of those work. So, tell, you want to tell us a little bit more about the way you see the role of, of synchronous and asynchronous comms in, in you know, particularly not not just I guess because hopefully we are coming through the pandemic now, but we are going to be going into a very different kind of working world, which most people are kind of co- coining as hybrid now. Do you want to just talk a little bit about what what your vision and what your thoughts around that are? Yeah, I, th- I think this is sort of the question that most communications pr- professionals are really grappling with today, 
right? What mm-hmm. needs to be synchronous and what needs to be asynchronous. And so when I enter into conversations with people who are thinking about internal communications and employee engagement, the question is really, does this need to be in all hands? Mm. Or can this be a piece of content that is, or a piece of messaging that is consumed three days from now, mm. right? And I think with distributed work, it's really put a, more of a, a spotlight on the fact that actually people are all over the world right now, mm. right? And we can't all be on that 9 a.m. all hands because they're, you know, in a different time zone or they're mm. in a different continent. Um, and so making these decisions over, hey, what mean, what does it mean for us to have this shared experience? And also, what does it mean for us to potentially seed content that can be consumed, you know, three days a week later and still have value? That type of decision tree at the very top is where I think a lot of internal communicators are really starting to grapple. It's getting better, right? Emails are harder, I think, today than they were even two years ago. People are feeling a little inundated by emails. I think we're all feeling a little zoomed out. So, you know, can this content live in other formats? If so, where does that uh, what is the channel strategy, right? Am I still sending it by email? Have I adopted Slack or Microsoft Teams or, you know, social course? Like, what does my engagement platform look like? Am I hitting, you know, content across all of those channels if I'm using multiple uh, and yeah. many businesses are? So I think those are, it starts sort of at like, what is synchronous and what is asynchronous? And then there's decisions that need to funnel off of that. Yeah. And so when we're talking about about synchronous, we're talking about live in the moment. We're talking about maybe everybody's on the one sort of Zoom call or Microsoft Teams call or I mean, and, and then obviously asynchronous, we're talking about on demand when I when I consume it when I can. That That's the kind of key difference that we're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I guess, you, you know, given what you do, <laughs> um, let, let's talk about what are some of those asynchronous tools that are, that are particularly effective and, and um, you know, what, what are some of the things that we can use to, to, to do that, create that on-demand content within the organization so that, you know, we've got the right content at the right point where people want it and in a, in a format that they can engage with. What, what are some of the tools that, that we can be thinking of as internal communicators in that space? Well, I think it starts with what tools are already in place, right? You you are almost definitely using email and email is this very tricky medium, right? Where there's, uh, it depends on the etiquette. I think within the company, there are some businesses where it's like, I send you an email. I expect you to reply to that within two hours. Mm -hmm. There are other businesses where it's like, I send you an email and I might not even need a reply on it, but it needs to live there for you to go reference back again. Right. So I think defining the etiquette and the culture around email uh, is a really important thing that I think a lot of businesses tend to overlook. But have you adopted Slack, for example? Yeah. Right? Slack has an immediacy to it. Right. This is just rapid fire collaboration. And there's definitely very clever ways to organize your content there or, or to organize your teams. But, you know, that is going to be like more of a synchronous type of experience, even if it is done remotely and virtually, right? Mm. Whereas SharePoint or Jive or whatever you might be using for an intranet, um, I I think that's a little bit more of a long tail approach. So defining sort of the channels that you have access to and then saying, all right, look, here's the purpose that we have for SharePoint or Notion. This is going to be more of a repository, whereas Slack and email actually in our culture is going to be more of an immediate reaction to that. Defining that at the start, I think, is really, really important. But then, of course, you have you have written word, you have video content, and video could be the synchronous all hands, but video can also be the executive taking a two-minute video, like selfie-style video, and posting that to Slack. Right? That's yeah. also video content. Yeah. Um, the space that I spend all my time is in audio. And audio, I think, 
is really sort of the ultimate on-demand medium uh, and one that's incredibly underrated for businesses, even though we are starting to see businesses adopt audio very meaningfully as a way to communicate and engage with employees internally. But just going back a minute, you know, when we think about is this synchronous or asynchronous, audio sort of this secret tool that exists for asynchronous creation. It, it doesn't really fit. There are definitely like, you know, the Clubhouse uh, app is an example of synchronous audio. Uh, Slack recently rolled out a new feature called Huddle. That's synchronous audio. But asynchronous audio, right, creating a podcast, for example, or a piece of messaging that can be consumed over the next day, three days, a week, two weeks, whatever that might be. Audio is offering a really powerful format for people who are trying to communicate and broadcast out across the organization. Okay, okay. And I guess you are um, you, you're kind of preaching to the choir for me. And I guess for people listening to this this podcast, you know, we're kind of almost preaching to a uh, an audience that almost um, kind of buys into to but to, to audio, but probably doesn't realize why audio. You know, maybe maybe they maybe they haven't thought about audio. And we've covered this before on other episodes, but I always think it's really interesting to to conceive whether my kind of i have a view on why audio i think audio is a really effective channel and i'm just really interested to know what you're so can you tell us what is the role of audio in that my kind of messaging and particularly as you said in that kind of asynchronous space and what is it about audio that makes it a really effective uh, approach to to, to to communication yeah look let's just start at a really basic level which is if you are listening to this podcast right now what day of the week is it and what time is it because the data suggests that actually you're listening to this during working hours. Mm. And so if you are a business and your employees and your partners and your stakeholders, maybe even if they're external, are listening to audio content during working hours, you have a consumer behavior that you can actually replicate for internal use. Mm. And I think that's really the key part. Like communicate to how people want to be consuming with the content, right? So there's mm -hmm. a data point that shows that 40% of adults in the United States and in the United Kingdom have listened to a podcast in the last month. Mm -hmm. That's the cost of general population. Mm -hmm. But then there's another data point that shows that 83% of corporate workers want to be communicated with by leadership in podcasting. So podcast listenership is over indexing against corporate uh, America and corporate United Kingdom workers, right? Corporate mm. UK workers. And mm. so I think it's sort of start starting from a place of, well, how is this messaging going to be received? And what are the formats for that? People don't necessarily want to sit there on another 10 minute video, right? Like maybe I can now go for a walk or I can cook my dinner or fold my laundry, take my kids to the playground and still consume this really valuable piece of, of information. So that's sort of at a, at a very high level. But then sort of like, why else audio? It's super intimate as a format, right? It's just a really authentic, genuine uh, way to communicate with people. There isn't a visual bias. And because of that, not only do people lock into the words, but I think there's a really unique opportunity for an organization to elevate more voices from across the organization in this format, mm. as opposed to in video, for example, right? Where not everyone is comfortable being on video. Mm. And so, you know, I, when you when you couple all of these things together, the authenticity, the lack of visual bias, the fact that your listeners actually or your your uh, first audience, your employees are, are listeners of podcast content anyway. And then you you couple that with the fact that there's immense controls on the corporate side for podcast content. Mm. Right. Like like, Craig, you're going to edit this a little bit. Right. Mm. 
the same behavior exists for a corporation. Like you can do post-production on this content. It's not live. Like it's on-demand content. So you're able to listen to a piece of content before it goes live and before it gets published. So before that executive, you know, puts, uh, puts their foot in their mouth, right? You can actually have ears on that piece of content beforehand and you can maybe do some light production work mm. and, the end product will sound totally natural, totally fluent to the listener. And I think that's really unique from video. Um, and I, to, to be clear, I'm, I'm a proponent of video. I think video plays a very important role in, in the corporation. But video content can be expensive to produce. It's harder to edit. Like there's these choppy cuts, mm. right? I think oftentimes uh, video content at, at, at the enterprise feels very uh, like a sizzle. And, you know, your employees don't necessarily need to be sold to, right? They want to be communicated with. Mm. Uh, and so that's a little bit of a long answer to what was a very straightforward question. My apologies. But I think there are a bunch of different factors as to sort of why audio is important at the enterprise. You know, I, 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 I think you, 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 you were amazingly succinct, actually. And you mainly you touched on the three points that I always say, I think, that are really important. I mean, I, I go in reverse order. I think, yes, I mean, I think there's a massive tendency to overthink video and kind of go for perfection, whereas with audio – yeah, it needs to be good. It needs to, but you can, I think you can be more authentic, you know, and as you say, editing is a much, much, much easier process, you know, and you can create um, the amount of content you can create, the kind of ratio of how long you need to spend creating it compared to what you can actually use in the end point is, is sort of a, a factor of multiples different. And I, so I think that's one thing. I think the other point is the intimacy. I totally agree with you. You know, the fact that you are in someone, literally in someone's head uh, is, is, you know, if you have someone's got their, their you know, their buds in and you know that that you are in their head and also i think the amount of time that you get with people in audio you know video anything more than five minutes and people are kind of thinking right when's this going to end whereas you know it's quite it's not uncommon i listen to podcasts you know they're 45 minutes an hour even some that i mean overly ambitious sometimes more than an hour but but um i, I think the, the length of time and you get i i mean i, I was interested in you saying a lot of podcasts get listened to at work i mean i interestingly i listen to most of my podcasts whether they're you know for fun or for personal development or you know i uh, whatever or just just for kind of listening to other 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 people's podcasts um i tend to do it when i'm not at work i'll tend to do it i'm running i'm kind of you know uh, out on uh, for a walk or whatever and i i like to kind of multitask and you can't do that with video you can't well you can but you tend to get kind of uh, very bloody knees very quickly by tripping over things if you try and watch a video when you're out walking so so yeah so um yeah yeah i, I agree with all of those those three things that you said there brian i think they're all absolutely relevant and what what for me makes audio a really unique and powerful powerful medium where do could, could I, could, can I, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. Course you can yeah. yeah so i i think i think you're totally spot on on that and i think what you're touching on is right i, I do think that the power of audio in large part is its portability you listen mm. to it while you're driving to the store or you're out for a walk or a run mm. but what we've learned i think is pre-covid you were going for a run at seven in the morning or six o'clock at night mm. Now you're going for a run during <laughs> lunch, right? Yeah. You're working from home sure. and sort of these behaviors that we have have yeah. been remixed. There's a lot more happening from, you know, nine to five yeah. and like, I'm going to go for a walk after this. It'll be lunchtime. It's summertime here in New York. I'm going to go for a walk, be outside. And I'm going to listen to a podcast that wasn't necessarily afforded to me when I was commuting into the, you know, to my office yes. building and yeah. I was there. Yeah. So I, I think that the time is still happening during office hours. But you're right, the sort yeah. of the behavior is a little bit different because now what we experience in our day-to-day -day work is a little bit different 
there's yeah. a little bit more leniency, at least with progressive companies that say, yeah, you should go for a walk during the middle of your day and unlock yourself from that computer. Yeah. That's where I think the real power is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I guess that I, I, I know whenever we've talked about podcasting before, one of the areas we've talked about is where we get started. Cause I think, again, there's the temptation sometimes to overthink and overcomplicate things, particularly in larger organizations. So if you're going to say, right, okay, we want to explore audio. We think it's the right, the right channel for us. We want to kind of create, we want to get that out there. What, what are some of the things that you would recommend to an internal communications person or someone who's responsible for internal comms? How do we get started? How do we scale it? How do we get audio into our business? If that's something we've decided is, is going to work for us. Yeah. So again, I, I think it starts with sort of what are the asynchronous on-demand content experiences that you're maybe already creating and where are the opportunities there to align that with your editorial calendar? Do you have tasks for us, right? For example, is there a DEI task force? Is there a CSR task force? Is there a task force around parenting? What would it look like to go and elevate those voices and to enable those voices to go and talk? And again, you then as the head of internal communications, I think this is a really important point and one that gets lost sometimes is you don't need to be the content creator, mm. but you should be the moderator, right? Yeah. You are you are running point on the initiative, but what does it sound like to empower the voices from, without the, from within the organization to contribute content? to the organization. Mm. And I think starting with your task force, for example, is really important. I think you might be surprised to find just how many people are really eager to create their own content and how mm. many people within your organization already have their own podcast and would love to contribute content to the greater, uh, greater good of the business. So I think there's willing voices already. Identifying those voices, coaching those voices is important, but you as a head of internal communications, like you just don't need to be the one on the mic. Unless, unless you want to, and that's great. And in fact, one of the most successful podcasts, internal podcasts that any of our client partners create is something that's called Talk Nerdy to Me. <laughs> and it's the head of internal communications talking to the head of product and engineering once a month about product updates and, and software updates, because even though it's a tech company, the majority of the employees are non-technical. Yeah, yeah. So and that's, that's a 15 minute podcast, right? To your point, like you could go a little bit deeper there that as a 15 minute video, I think everyone's eyes would be bleeding at the end of it, but 15 mm. minute audio, it aligns very much with the behaviors that we already have. And it's just a super successful, you know, uh, the head of internal communications, they use Slack. She solicits questions in advance of every uh, podcast. There's tons of engagement. There's tons of follow-up. They create threads in Slack to follow up questions with the executives that get interviewed as part of this. So there's there's low hanging fruit. I'm sorry to use that jargon, but there's <laughs> yeah. low hanging fruit within the org, and some of it just fits very very seamlessly with what you're already doing. It's just a little bit deeper, a little bit more uh, opportunity to explain a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, and that, then thank. Yeah. I mean, that's a really kind of strategic answer to that question. I mean, it might be that we don't answer this now. It might be there's something that we could point people towards. But I'm also thinking also from a kind of you know, well, where do I start? You know, what, what equipment do I need? You know, what kind of software do I need? What capabilities do I need to start to curate and, and create audio? I mean, what would you recommend to, you know, a, a reasonably large organization that's never done audio to start to, to where to get started on that side of things as well? Do I bring someone in who's, who's an expert in this area or can I do it myself? Do we, we kind of, uh, you know, watch some videos on YouTube and work out how work it out ourselves? What, what would you recommend in that sort of situation? Well, I, I think there's the equipment side, which is right now we're recording on Zencaster. Yeah. 
when I interviewed you for my podcast, we used Zoom. Yeah. There are very, very effective, very low technical solutions for actually capturing the audio content. Yeah. I'm just using headphones right now, right? With an inline mic. I wouldn't recommend uh, using AirPods or something like that, something that's Bluetooth enabled, something that plugs into into your computer is really important. I think Mm -hmm. chances are at least one of the people, if it's an interview style show, at least one of the, the individuals um, will be remote. So using something that is familiar, like a Zoom or a Zencaster, and there's a, a bunch of really great solutions out there that are really affordable for recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a really great place to start. I wouldn't overthink it. You don't need to build out like a state-of-the-art studio to do high-quality audio content. Yeah. With respect to producing the content, you know, I had spent my entire career in podcasting on the business side. I produced my own podcast. Um, it's my first time doing that. I would consider myself to be quite good at it at this point. It took me six hours to learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think it's something that can be very easily self-taught and it's actually quite fun. Uh, it, it's been a bit of a creative release for me, actually sitting there and taking out coughs and ums. You didn't cough a whole lot. I'm a pro. I, 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 I've sort of conditioned myself not to cough or, or um, hopefully anyway, I probably do, but I don't realize it. You are super fluent, but you know, in some instances you have to like clean it up. And actually I found that to be quite fun, but I think there's sort of this other question, which is, you know, if you're a company of some size, you know, if you have 300 employees or more, chances are there's someone in marketing or content creative services that knows how to use these tools already. Hmm. And it's a really fun thing to do is to like edit podcasts, super fun, because again, chances are the person who's sitting in creative services loves listening to podcasts, right? So this isn't like some huge tax on their day. It's something that they can be invited into the process with. And I think that that's really important is, is really reaching out and saying, you know, this is to the question that was just before is like, well, where should we start? You know, call these things shows, call these things podcasts, create, you know, original show names and, and identify a music bed, like create some IP around this. I think this is especially important if you're trying to wrap in an executive to be the host is don't call it like another communications motion because you'll never get that by it. Yeah. But if the executive feels like they've got a show and that show launches on the first Wednesday of every month, then they're going to be bought into that process and it's going to become a priority because look, we're people and people at times can be quite vain in this way, right? So they're the host of the show and they're going to want it to be great and great. And so that makes for better content. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. I I agree with you, you, Brian. I think, I think, I think, I know, I think that one of the things is it goes back to the kind of the, some, you know, people who've only got any experience of video will kind of think, oh my goodness, you know, it's going to, it's a a magnitude of difference from, from my experience of, of, of of recording and producing and editing podcasts as it is the video It's so much easier. And so therefore you don't need to, I think you can just, you know, get on with it and learn it. And, And as you say, you, you've probably got people within your organization who do this already and will love the opportunity to kind of show how you know how smart they are so I, I i completely agree with you you know i, I and i think um I, I think yeah you can get someone in to come and do it for you but it's not as much fun as doing it yourself if you you know and, and again it gives people a chance to sort of develop and learn and, and learn new skills and and, uh, and 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 it's not a whole bunch of waste of time like it is learning to use you know kind of 
complicated video editing tools because I've been there and I know I know frustrating that can be as well. Well, it's fun as well. But um, look, one quick quick question, Brian, before we before we wrap up is is you know the the, the sixty five million dollar. Well, it might be the sixty five million dollar question. The question we always get asked, or internal communicators always get asked, what am I going to get for my money? So if we're going to go down an audio route, what what is the return? I mean, I guess you can say this for any form of comms. What is the ROI? What's the return on investment? And you know what what can I get? What can I expect to see from audio that maybe you know other channels aren't going to give me? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I'm I'm a little bit biased in this because, as you mentioned in, in my bio, I operate a technology platform that facilitates audio in the workspace, right? Mm. And we do it with security and privacy. So what that means is you can share audio content directly to Slack. And we have a Slack integration and that content lives there privately. So the only people who can access that content are those that are already part of the approved workspace. Sure. Um, and then there's also embeddable players that can be embedded on SharePoint and Notion and Social Chorus, Jive. And in the settings, you can approve specific domains. So what that means is, you know, if it's craig.sharepoint.com and that's my approved domain, the only place in the world where that piece of audio content can live uh, and be listened to and be embedded is that specific domain that's approved. And yeah. so then there's there's analytics that exists uh, on every piece of content by every creator, regardless of where it's been distributed to. So I, right now, ROI and audio is being defined in large part by um, listens per piece of content. And it's mm. really a very table stakes type of metric. What's interesting about our technology is there are a lot of businesses that use both Slack and some sort of intranet and you're going to be able to share the same piece of content to both destinations and see the engagement on that exact piece of content across both destinations. Mm. And I think that's an insight that many internal communicators really don't have, uh, don't uh, don't possess. Mm. And so understanding sort of the the engagement on Slack on a piece of content and measuring that against their SharePoint with respect to like what time was it listened to, how long was it listened to, did someone return to that piece of content? Is three minute pieces of content performing better or worse than 10 minute pieces of content mm, mm. or content on culture performing better than content on leadership. Like these are insights that I think in large part can inform an employee engagement strategy. Mm. One of the things that we've built a frustration that I've had operating in podcast circles is that it's really hard to measure outcomes in podcasting, mm. right? You get on your podcast, Craig, like you see download numbers and not a whole lot else. Yeah. Right. It's not, not that great. It's a little bit of a black box. So if listens is sort of a top of the funnel activation, what does the bottom of the funnel activation look like? Mm. So what we've built on our players is a customizable call to action button. So on every piece of audio content, every player, whether you're sharing it to Slack or SharePoint or whatever that might be, there's a call to action button that you can customize. So it might be open enrollment, right? For our new benefits is, mm. is, is click here right? And that lives on the player. Mm. It might be you want to integrate into um, a, a pulse survey, right? It's the CEO doing a podcast. A lot of companies do like these heroes initiatives, right? Where nominate a colleague who's a hero, mm. like you can do the nomination form right there on that piece of content. Maybe there's a big blog post that just got published and you want your colleagues to share that and like it on LinkedIn. You can link to the post on LinkedIn. So for us, what we're migrating towards is not necessarily listens per piece of content as the ROI, but actions mm. per piece of content. And we think that's just a much deeper, much more involved, much more tactile way to approach this. And audio, for all of the benefits that we've been talking about for the last 25 minutes, audio offers now potentially in using our platform an opportunity to go that 
that much deeper in the funnel to yeah. drive real business outcomes for you. Yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I think from a balanced perspective, one of the things where we said all of the positives of audio, one of the frustrations as you, you've, you've identified is, is that, you know, if someone's out running, uh, or if they're, you know, where, if they're listening to their, their, their podcast, it's, it's, you know, called, we, we know it from our own podcast, you know, as you say, it's a very crude measure listens. And what we ultimately want people to do is, is, is visit the, our website and listen to the podcast there and click on the links that we've got. And so they can get all of that richness that's associated with the show. And we can also then see that we're getting that interaction but as you say it's difficult but I, li- I like the way that you've kind of integrated it into the platforms that people listen to it on so you can you can track that through so i think that's a really really positive thing yeah i mean look right now you know if you want to create podcast content audio content at the enterprise you, you sort of have two options you can either embed an mp3 mm. to like slack and sharepoint and whatever and in its worst case that content can be downloaded and repurposed by a bad actor, right? Like it is very easy to create a deep fake piece of audio content if that's what you're doing right now. Yeah. In its best case, you don't get any listener insights on an MP3. No. So you're going through this communications motion of creating audio content and you have no idea how your communications is landing. So that's what most companies are doing. There are private podcasting apps. And so what that means is the CEO is going to create a, a podcast and all of my employees now need to download this third-party walled garden app in order to listen to that content. Yeah. And our, our thesis is really different. Like we believe that audio should live in the flow of work, mm. right? And so it should live within your Slack. It should live within your SharePoint. It should live within whatever internet you're using with security and with analytics, because maybe you actually don't get great analytics on your SharePoint, but if you're embedding our player on your SharePoint, you're getting incredible world-class analytics yeah. right yeah and so i think what a lot of internal communicators are, are grappling with is context switching mm. and so to say listen our written word content and our our photos and our videos can all live here but i gotta then ask my employees to go to this other thing mm. to listen that's not a thesis that that we think makes a ton of sense and we're, we're really excited to be partnering with companies and putting their audio content right into the flow of their work mm. with again the security, the privacy, and the analytics that's required, uh, and then also the the action step that our uh, that our product uniquely provides. Yeah, that's fantastic, excellent, Brian. Well, I really appreciate that. I've got. To, I mean, you're not off the hook yet, though. So I've got a couple of couple of final questions for you. The easy one is uh, where can where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, uh, I mean, we'll put the link into your podcast. Uh, your podcast is available on the usual the usual places, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it's um, shared to Apple and Spotify, and here in the United States, uh, iHeart is a, is a big yeah, podcast yeah. aggregator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's available. It's called the Drip, yeah. and it's about how to caffeinate your campaigns, and it's available wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Fantastic. Well, I'll put a link into your show, obviously, and then anywhere else that any other links that you want me to put into the show notes, so people can find out more about you and what you do, and about about your work at Veenly. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, look, I, I would encourage anyone uh, who wants to just, you know, workshop audio to just send me an email directly. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at Venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y dot co. So it's dot C-O. Yeah. Um, and so anyone who sort of is getting started or maybe they're already creating audio content and need to rethink the distribution, um, I'm happy to do, you know, a, a workshop on office hours and just chat through that. It's it's by far the most fun part of my day is talking strategies with people. It's, it's what I, I love the most. So it's never a burden. 
Awesome. Well, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. So if people are kind of, uh, you know, you know, trying to scroll that down and, and we'll also put a link into the your website as well. So they're, they're the easy questions. I've kind of tried to be able give you as much uh, thinking time as possible because I did kind of spring this on you just before we started recording because I forgot to tell you beforehand. Uh, but I always ask my interviewees at the end of our our, uh, our conversations, um, something that even people who, you know, know them reasonably well, you know, maybe if it, I guess it's colleagues, friends, uh, you know, people around your immediate circle, per the per, private or personal whatever but but people who would go oh i never knew knew that about you brian whether it's something you've done in the past it's something you do now or or it's just something that you're fascinated with that no one would uh, would know about you so uh, uh, over to you brian i hope you've uh, managed to conjure something up for us well i mentioned just before and, and this won't be my answer but i have only recently adopted audio production as a skill set and I've come to really like it. And I think those who know me would be very surprised to know that like I geek out in audio engineering now. Um, and I take great pride in layering in a music bed. Like that is actually something that I think would shock most people, but that's, that's sort of, that's sort of cheating a little bit. Um, you know, look, I, I think I'm going to answer your question a little bit differently, which is which is sort of a new hobby of mine. So I, I have young children. I have a son who's almost seven years old, and he's really into music. And I think that a lot of parents can appreciate you're driving around with young kids, and the music that's available to like three to seven year olds is like you're, you're just trying your hardest not to careen onto oncoming traffic. It's just like <laughs> the worst. I can't listen to Coco Melon anymore. Yeah. So, so I I've been taking my son in particular and now I, you know, my daughter who's younger is like along for the ride, but I, I've been taking him along a musical journey of things that we can both appreciate. And what I've found is actually like, he's a bit of a hard rocker. Oh, wow. Which, which is great for uh, like, I, there's lots there. Um, but I'm it's sort of like unexpected, uh, and so I have to now curate playlists that can sort of be age appropriate and also like very aggressive rock and roll. So oh, wow. for example, like he loves the Foo Fighters. He loves wow. ACDC. He loves like a lot of that classic rock where there's a little bit of an edge to it. Yeah. And, and I was like, look, you know, Jack, you love the piano. We started with Queen, right? I should say Queen was the gateway to like the Foo Fighters and ACDC, yeah. but but he loves he loved the piano. I was like, oh, let's listen to Billy Joel and Elton yeah. John. And he's like, you know, Dad, this is good, but I don't know if it's for me. So he's definitely he's centered on rock. Then that's he's that's he's, he's centered on rock. Oh, yeah. And yeah, look, he's young yet, so we'll see where his his musical journey goes. But this is a new hobby of mine: is identifying new musical acts past and present to introduce him so oh that's, wow i'm sort of cheating your question a little bit no no i like it if there's some parents who are listening i think they can probably appreciate oh, some of that anyway i know i like it and i and i'm all i'm all you know he'll be the coolest kid in the class if he's mm-hmm. into, into the foo fighters when he's what when he's he's you know he's starting uh, junior school so yeah no i mean definitely i i yeah uh, I, I, t- I i i i know i tried to educate my kids on on music but uh i, I not like literally but it seemed to fall on deaf ears they they're musical tastes are very different to mine now but that hey that's that's life uh, but, but it's, uh, it's become a little bit of a complicated thing i mean i, I love dave Grohl. i think dave Grohl is a pretty <laughs> remarkable not yeah. only musician but but I, I like what he stands for in general and uh and so like he jack has watched uh my son has watched a, a bunch of music videos um and so now it's time for school and i need him to get a haircut because his hair is like in his eyes oh like, wow. jack it's time it's time to like you know, yeah. clean this up a little bit like we've got school starting and he's like 
that I don't want to look like Dave Grohl. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I don't blame him. No, I'm. I'm I don't I'm, blame I'm, him either. I mean, I don't have enough hair to have that type of argument. So no. you know, like, go for it, kiddo. But yeah, anyway. Well, I'm 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 a I'm a little bit older than you, and certainly a lot older than your son. But you know, I'm I'm kind of Grohl, kind of Nirvana era. That's my kind of thing. So you know, you want to take him back a little bit further. You get him into it. Get him into Nirvana. That, that is that is from that's my kind of uh, my my kind of favorite favorite sort of era and album of, of of all time i guess one of them anyway so yeah so uh yeah can't go far on with dave Grohl, for sure <laughs> look that's been pretty weak. well you know there we go we turned in audio audio a conversation about audio into ended with audio but in a slightly different context so that's absolutely fantastic brian i wish you all the best all the best for the future to you and your family and uh it'd be lovely i hope at some point i i'll try and find an excuse to come out to new york at some point we'll meet up and we'll have a we'll have a coffee or a beer or something uh together yeah i, I appreciate that you don't have to bend my arm to to go visit london either it's one one of the truly remarkable cities in the world so thank you it's a privilege to be talking with you Take care, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers now. So thank you for listening to Engaging Internal Comms. Hope you found this episode useful. Um, we'd love to get your feedback and thoughts about the show. So, and, and also any questions or ideas that you've got for things you'd like us to cover in future episodes. So you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can get in touch with us via the contact form on our website, which is engagingic.com. Also, you'll be able to sign up for our mailing list there and we'll send you relevant news about the show, new episodes, and also anything that we think you might be interested in when it comes to internal communications or employee engagement. If you like the show and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to it via your podcast service. And also you can subscribe to it via the links on our podcast page, which again is engagingic.com. Um, if you know anyone else who might be interested in the show please distribute it to them please let them know about it we want to try and grow a community of people here who are contributing to the show giving us new ideas for episodes and things that you'd like to cover in future so thank you very much